Hi everyone, my name's Leo uh, Nicotro, my wife Christine. Um, we lead a church in Sydney, in case you don't know us, and uh, been on, uh, on the NTMI team for some time now. And we just want to um, start with saying thank you, uh, Mike, for the, you know, the invitation to share the Word of God. It's always a privilege and, and an honor to share God's Word. I know it's been um, tough for most people around the world with all the restrictions with COVID-19 and I think this has been zoomed in as an equip right across uh, or into Canada. So I just want to say hi to everybody and um, we know, we've also done it tough to some degree but nowhere near as uh, what I've heard uh, Canada has to gone through, uh, has been going through. Um, yeah, we've right now got more restrictions put upon us uh, as, as I'm speaking and uh, no singing, no wearing masks and all those sort of things. But, but you know, the gospel can uh, still go forward in the midst of all the restrictions. Think of Paul the Apostle who was put in the restriction of confinement of jail, yet he still wrote so many letters in the New Testament and the Word of God wasn't chained. The Word of God wasn't confined. He, he wanted to get to Spain. He never got there, but his letters got there for thousands of years all around the globe, actually. God took that situation and the Word of God was not chained and the Word of God went around the globe for thousands of years in the, in the form of the Word of, Word of God, the Bible. So I want to speak on a, a subject called, uh, it is about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and many different phrases that we can use to, to, to phrase this, you know, uh, uh, encounter with Jesus, an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, the promise of the Father. I actually want to speak on hindrances to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, regardless of the our background and what we've been brought up and what we've been taught and the things that we've received over the many, many, many years, sometimes getting the wrong teaching uh, can hinder you from receiving the truth because of the wrong mindsets we develop, the wrong belief systems we hold on to because we think that's that's truth. Or, you know, it's, it's really just man's traditions. It's really just man's teachings, what man has taught, but it's not based on the Word of God. So I want to I ask you with fresh eyes, with humble hearts, let's take the Word and let's look into the Word. Let's study the Scriptures. Let's see what the Bible has to say about this subject of being baptized of the Holy Spirit and not what we've been taught over the many, many years. Because there are many hindrances that hinder us from receiving this beautiful baptism of the Holy Spirit. We know the scripture says that Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit in fire. John the baptizer said, I come to baptize unto repentance with water, but he who comes after me, he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so it's a beautiful picture of Fire and Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit and fire. That's where the tongues of fire fell on the 120 in the book of Acts chapter 2. But I want to just go to Luke 24 verse 49 and look at the words of Jesus because Jesus referred to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit as the promise of the Father. See, he constantly referred to the baptism of the Holy Spirit as the promise of the Father. Why, why did he say that? I believe because God the Father promised in the Old Testament, he's prophet, he prophesied, he spoke it through the prophets. Um, we find that also in Ezekiel, because in Ezekiel uh, chapter 36, if you want to look it up, verse 25 to 28 talks about, in those days, I will put a new spirit within you. I'll take out the heart of stone out of you and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit 
inside of you. Think about it. That's God's promise of the Holy Spirit. That in the new covenant days, when Jesus comes, that the Holy Spirit will be no longer just upon people from time to time. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came upon people from time to time. But in the new covenant, because of what Jesus did, the Holy Spirit can come inside us and baptize us, immerse us. Again, the word baptism literally means, um, as you would know, that uh, if I had a glass of water, um, if I just had a bit of water in it, that, that glass is not baptized. But if I grab that glass of water and put it into a bucket of water, I've just baptized that glass of water. Totally soaked, immersed, dipped, and, and, and overflowing with water. And so that's the picture that we have of baptism, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, infilling and overflowing. And so... Jesus says here, as he goes to heaven, and you, and you know when Jesus died on the cross and he's going to heaven, I mean, you know that it's the last opportunity to talk to your, you know, your followers, your disciples, your, uh, the ones that you've been with for three and a half years. And this is the words that he says. He goes, um, verse, let's pick it up from verse 44. Now he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which were, are written about me in the law of Moses and, and prophets are the, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. That's what we want to do today. We want our minds to be open to actually understand the scriptures. right? And he said to them, This is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead and the, on the third day. Uh, rise again from the dead from the dead the third day. And the repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. That's the message of the gospel of the kingdom. That repentance and forgiveness of sins would be preached and proclaimed in his name to all nations. And it says, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending you forth the promise of my father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. You are to stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. So you, you, you see many in the Great Commission, Jesus says, go into all the world and preach this gospel. Go into the world. The authority that God has given me, I give you. Go into all the world. But here he says, wait. <laughs> so he says, go, but he says, wait. In other words, he basically says, wait before you go. Why do you wait? You wait to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. And it says here that you would be clothed with power from on high. And you also pick it up in Acts chapter 1. And we want to read it in, um, in around, let's pick it up from verse 4. Gathering them together, Jesus gathered them together. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait, there's that word wait again, for, the, for what the Father has promised, which he said, you heard of me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Again, Jesus is about to go to the Father. And he's saying to them, before you go, wait. Why? Because you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so they basically asked him, are you going to restore the kingdom to us at this time? Like set us free from the Roman rule and so on. And, and Jesus said, it is not for you to know the times or epochs, epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Jesus had the whole earth in mind, the remotest parts of the earth. You're going to be a witness to all nations, every single part of the globe. And he basically says, I don't want you to go until you've been endured with power from on high. Why? Because 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power. The word power is dynamis. It's the word we get dynamite from. And, and God's power, God's Holy Spirit is power. When the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, it gives you dynamis. The power of, that created the universe. You remember the Holy Spirit was hovering over the, the waters when God created this earth. And nothing was happening until God said. And so when God spoke, the Holy Spirit created. Think about that. The Holy Spirit was hovering. Nothing was happening. And when God spoke, bang, creation took place. And I believe the Holy Spirit's inside of us. Activation of the Holy Spirit is when we speak. We speak the word. We, when we pray for someone, pray for the sick, how do we activate that actual dynamous power that's inside of us? By speaking. When you speak, it releases the Holy Spirit. Obviously, speaking the word of God. Speaking what God says to you. Speaking what's already settled in heaven. What God has already established. Speaking the truth from the Father. He speaks to your spirit. You speak out and then the Holy Spirit uses those words. That's how I believe you release the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. You can lay dormant. You can have your power laying dormant. That's the point. You can have dynamous power by being baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you think, well, why, why, don't, why, why haven't we seen the sick healed? Why haven't we seen people set free? Why don't we see the demons casted out? Why don't we see the power that we should be seeing? I'm talking about every believer now. I'm not talking about the, what, the great men of God. I'm talking about every human, every normal believer. Jesus says the least of the kingdom will be greater than John the Baptist. And he was the greatest prophet from the mouth of Jesus. It's the greatest prophet that came from the old covenant. Yet the least in the kingdom will be greater than him. And so we need to see uh, and experience the power of the Holy Spirit. So we find that here Jesus is, is saying, wait, you're supposed to go. But before you go, wait, wait to experience this encounter of the Holy Spirit. And so you, you see in Acts chapter 2, um, it tells us um, earlier on as well in chapter 1 that 120 were there. It tells us that Mary was there. It tells us that all the apostles' names, 120 all up. Um, and then verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues of a as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, all 120 of them, all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit was giving them the utterance. So let's take that and see what God is saying. It says, the Holy Spirit, they, they began, who, who's the they in this subject? So they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, so 120 of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in tongues. So who spoke in tongues? They did, but the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. So there is a there is a that 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 togetherness where the Holy Spirit comes and fills you. He gives you the utterance, but obviously you end up doing the speaking. Like you know, He gives you that utterance. I don't believe in praying for someone and say, "Hey, repeat after me," and then you actually tell them the words to repeat. I don't. That's like going to really a a, a, a wrong extreme because you're telling them. There's no power on them. There's no yielding to the Holy Spirit. There's no surrender. There's no worship. There's no heart surrender to God. In the humility of repentance, the humility of surrender, and, and we yield into God, the Holy Spirit comes in us. He gives us the utterance, and therefore we speak in tongues. But if we go like this, you're going to make me speak in tongues. You're going to make me do this. So Because I really want it to be you. But with no yielding, there's no surrendering, then I, I believe it's a, it's a working together with the Holy Spirit. God baptizes you. That's how it happened to me. Actually, for me, when I first heard about there was a Holy Spirit, I realized 
but I was hungry. I was only 19 years old, knew nothing about the Lord really. I grew up as a Catholic background, but never read the Bible, never went to church, unless it was Christmas and Easter. And, uh, and so I, I was living in the world full of sin and selfishness and stuff and pride. And, but when I heard about the Holy Spirit, I heard about the people encountering God. I was hungry. I was curious. I thought, you know, I know God's real. And if God's real, why can't he touch people? That's how That was my thinking. Why can't he fill people? Why can't he touch people? And, and so it was told me about when people got baptized with the Holy Spirit, they were speaking another language. And they would speak direct to God and, and they would see visions or dreams or, or they feel electricity or heat or fire. And, and, and I, was, I was told probably to an extreme of like a real supernatural experience. Like every time someone told me about it, it was two or three people, they told me, they maybe exaggerate the experience. That's what I'm trying to say. So in my mind, I'm, I'm expecting this supernatural thing. But I was in my bedroom, half asleep, half awake in that zone where I was sort of still awake. And all of a sudden I got filled and I spoke in tongues. It just bubbled up out of me. It just burst out for a few seconds. I got scared. I stopped it. That was the Holy Spirit. So I'm a complete, I mean, I'm just, just coming into the Lord. I'm so young. I just experienced um, church once and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my bedroom by myself. I got scared. I stopped it. But the next day, I did a Bible study with three of the of the of my friends there from that church. And I remember saying to them, I want to receive the Holy Spirit properly. I want to receive Him properly. I got touched last night. It was the Holy Spirit. He spoke through me. I spoke in tongues. And so after doing a Bible study with them at someone's house, we went across the road in a park. And uh, I didn't know what I was doing. They were just asking me to pray. And say, you know, just worship Jesus. Just worship God. Because I didn't know how to worship Jesus. And they, just think of Jesus dying on the cross and worship Him, praise Him. And hallelujah. And I was, I was verbally worshiping, praising as they were showing me how, pretty much. And uh, yet under the stars at nighttime, in a park, in the grass, just praying on my knees. And as the Holy Spirit filled me, I started to speak in unknown languages. It was, it was sort of baby tongues. You know, just a few words, but it was it was there. It was utterance, utterance from the Holy Spirit. And I was speaking words that I never sort of, it was in English, you know. And, and I, But I was still waiting for this supernatural encounter. I was still waiting for the, a vision or a dream or, I mean, not a dream, but a vision or an encounter or experience or electricity because that's how it was told me. So I thought, oh, well, I didn't receive because I didn't, I didn't see that. And uh, they just said, no, no, you got filled with the Holy Spirit. You're speaking in tongues. Now, I believe speaking in tongues is one of the evidences. You know, because it's, it's one of the initial evidences of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because like the overflow prophecy is also an evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because they, they've spoken tongues and prophesied. You see it in the Bible. And so you, you, it's all over the Word of God. If you look at the incidences. Remember the book of Acts is a highlight of following uh, first Peter, then following Paul. And Luke wrote it. And, but the duration of the book of Acts is a history of 60, 70 years or so. And it gives you some of the encounters, the highlights, the incidences they faced, uh, some of the wrong doctrines that tried to come up, but also the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit when the Gentiles first got the Holy Spirit. And, um, and so in verse 33, it's, um, Peter speaking, he says, Therefore, having been exalted, talking about Jesus, to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, there's that word again, the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this, which you both see and hear. Now, what's he talking to? He's talking to the people that saw the outpouring in the 120. That's the crowd he's speaking to. He says, he's poured out this, which you see and hear. How do you see the Holy Spirit? How do you hear the Holy Spirit? 
or it was by seeing the, the outflow, the evidence of speaking in tongues and now prophesying and now glorifying God because then you get filled, it's got to come out. And God gives you a new language, a heavenly language. That's why Jesus said, um, he who believes will speak in new tongues. He showed us there will be a new language to, to this new creation, believers. Because when you come and enter a kingdom, you want to speak the language of the kingdom. We've entered the kingdom of God and entered the kingdom of heaven. And so in verse 38, Peter says to those same people, there was thousands there. We know that 3,000 got converted and added to the church. Peter said to them, repent and each, each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Why? He goes, for the promise. There's that word again. For this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. So this, this gift, remember, it's a gift. It's a free gift. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. It's a gift. This gift is for you, for your children. So that means not just for you, but the next generation. And all as many as the Lord shall, our God shall call. That just that spoke, speaks about us. As many as the Lord our God will call is generations to come. And so there it is in the Bible that the Holy Spirit, the gift is for everyone. It's not just for a, a chosen few or just for the apostles or they needed it. It's the words of Peter, the word of God, inspired by the word of God, um, says that it is for you and for your children and as many as the Lord our God shall call. If you look at, um, I just want to show you something here. Um, John 7 verse 37 it says about the Holy Spirit, this is Jesus standing up in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, John chapter 7, verse 37, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And that's a powerful statement, isn't it? In front of all the Jewish people there, the feast was packed with people worshipping you know, God. And he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water, right? But this, he spoke of the Spirit. So we know that this, this what Jesus is speaking about, is speaking about the Spirit. Yes, but this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given. Why not? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. The Spirit, he's talking about the experience of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Spirit. It's going to be like um, rivers of living water out of your innermost being. Rivers, not just a trickle, but rivers, life giving water. The Spirit of God is likened to a river flowing from his throne and it flows into you and out of you to a thirsty, dying world. So, so this he spoke of the Spirit because, and it says, he who believes in me, there's a scripture has. Scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke of this, he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So, so why, why was the Spirit not given yet when Jesus walked the earth? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus had to die on the cross, pay the penalty, consume the judgment of sin against mankind, cleanse the sin, temple, the sin in our temple, the physical body of our temple, and go to the right hand of the Father, when he stands at the right hand of the Father as an intercessor, as the mediator, as the one that speaks on our behalf, and because he goes there in our place as our righteousness, our sin has been washed away, cleansed, taken care of, not just 
covered, but completely deleted. There's no record of our sin so that our temple has been cleansed. Now and only now can the Holy Spirit live inside you. Now, I believe the gospel of the kingdom, the whole purpose of why Jesus had to come to this earth and pay the penalty on the cross is so that the Holy Spirit could come, so that the Holy Spirit can live inside of us. We lost the presence of God in the garden with Adam, but God brought another Adam, the last Adam, Jesus, who took the penalty on that cross in our place, in your place, so that we could receive the Holy Spirit. I heard someone say that the word receive is, is not really one, it's not, it's not one word because it's the word re, the, the word receive means to, to take hold, to receive. It's an old word that we don't use anymore. It's like repent. You put the prefix re, changes the word pent. Pent means to think about, but repent means to rethink about. The, to store is to store something, but to restore is this to store it again, to fix something, but to store it again. Or uh, reignite, the word ignite, we know what ignite means, but to reignite is to reignite it again. Every time you put the word re in it, it means to do that. So the word receive is to take hold, to receive, to take hold, but the word receive means to, to take hold again. Why did Jesus use that word? Because we're taking a hold of the Holy Spirit again. We lost him in the garden. Mankind did. And God can, God's Spirit cannot dwell with man. If there's a sin problem, but God took care of the sin problem in Jesus so that the whole purpose of this beautiful good news so that God could make his home inside us. The way into the Holy of Holies was not made known, Hebrews tells us, until Jesus died on the cross and purchased and shed his blood and even shed his blood in the Holy of Holies in heaven. In Hebrews, it tells us not the, not, not the tabernacle made with physical hands, but the one that's in heaven, the real one in heaven. Jesus went with his blood, not the blood of bulls and goats, but with his own blood, he went into the very holy of holies in heaven before the altar, poured out his blood so that we could be totally forgiven and cleansed. And that's why Jesus says, when I go to the Father, I send the Holy Spirit. There's a scripture in... Um, let me find it. Uh, John 16, verse 7. Jesus says, it's more expedient for you that I go away. For if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come. Think about that. It's more beneficial. It's better for you that I go. Now, if I had Jesus walking around with me, if I could ask Jesus anything in the natural, physically, in well, he walked the earth, and he said that to me, uh, Leo, or, or let's say Peter, John, James, if you're one of those you know, apostles, and he says, it's better for you that I go. Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit can't come. It's better that the Holy Spirit's inside of you than Jesus being in front of you. And that blows our minds. But Jesus said that. He said that. We've got to have trust that the Holy Spirit leading and guiding and being inside of us can lead us into all truth. Because even Jesus was limited physically. He couldn't show them some things. He goes, I want, I want to tell you some things, but you're not ready for it. There were times he said that to his disciples. There's many things I want to show you, but you're not ready for it. He said that. And so, so even in the natural, he was limited to, because of their head knowledge and their limitation of their head knowledge. But the Holy Spirit wouldn't be limited when he's inside of you because he can lead you and guide you into all truth. Now, I believe that. So what are the things that are going to hinder us? There's so many things I would like to say about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the evidence. And we find that the, the Gentiles, the first time that they received the the baptism of the Holy Spirit is through Cornelius and an angel came and told him to go to find someone at a certain name, a name of the street and find that Simon the Tanner and Peter will be there. He'll tell you words that you need to hear to be saved. And so Peter finally comes. It's a long story, but 
Cornelius of all his household, uncles, aunties, grandparents, children, I mean, I think cousins, I think it was packed. And already, and when Peter walks in, because remember, an angel told him to go get Peter. Peter walks in with the other Jews that came with him. Uh, Cornelius falls on his knees to worship Peter. And Peter goes, no, 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 don't do that. I'm, I'm a man just like you. Look at the honor, the humbleness, the hunger, the respect that Cornelius had, such heart of expectations. He had words that he needs to hear to be saved. And so I believe all those relatives had such respect and honor that as Peter was speaking, what was he speaking? Jesus Christ, preaching the gospel, preaching about Jesus and what Jesus did for them, how Jesus suffered so that we could be free. And, and then as he was speaking in, in Acts chapter 10, it tells us that the Holy Spirit filled all of them as he was speaking, for they heard them speak in other tongues and prophesy. And then he goes, who can forbid water? Because these, these, these people are Gentiles. They're not Jews. Who can forbid water? That these guys should be baptized, uh, baptized in water as we were. Because God saw fit to fill them with the Holy Spirit. And same with Acts 19, we see Paul, great apostle, goes to Ephesus and he finds a few believers. Apparently there were 12 men there. First thing he says is, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? So you can be a believer in Christ, a follower, have the Holy Spirit inside you because you can't be born again without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's in you, but you haven't been filled with a baptism of the Holy Spirit. So it's an initial experience on top of being saved. So that's why Jesus said to them, um, wait until you've been Jewed with power from on high. When he came back from his resurrection, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit was given to them. And that's the moment they got born again. And then the Holy Spirit could live inside them. And they were baptized with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And so that's why Paul said to those guys in Ephesus, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Right? You're a believer. But you haven't received the Holy Spirit. We haven't even heard if there is a Holy Spirit. And he goes, what, what were you baptized under? Oh, John the Baptist. And so that he came for repentance. But Jesus came and he talked about they rebaptized him in water with, in the name of Jesus. And they got filled. They laid hands on him. They all got filled with the Holy Spirit. They all spoke in tongues. They all prophesied. It's the overflow. It's like the bubble. It's like a, a tap. When the, when the water runs, the water runs, 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 runs uh, from the tank or from the, the, the dam or from a massive you know, uh, reservoir of water. It goes into our houses through the plumbing uh, pipes, but then the tap holds it back. But the water's there. When you unleash the tap, water flows. And tongues is an unleashing. It's releasing the flow that's inside of you. It's releasing it. That's why it talks about tongues build yourself up in the Holy Spirit. So just a couple of things that hinders us from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. I'm talking about the baptism as, a, as an encounter and experiencing Him and He fills you. So let's get into why, we, uh, why does it hinder us? What, what hinders us from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit Himself? The first thing is not believing and knowing the Holy Spirit has been given to, to everyone. When you, when you really believe the theme of the Bible and the whole purpose of Jesus dying on the cross was so that the Holy Spirit, the Father Himself, would give the promise that He made to us, which is the Holy Spirit. And so um, if you've been taught wrong things and you know have grown up with wrong teaching, wrong doctrine has been set, created a certain mindset, that also has created a certain belief system, that I want to encourage you to just to unravel that, just let go of the wrong teaching as long as you take on the Word of God. If the Word of God teaches something against against what you've been taught, then let go of what you've been taught and take the Word of God as truth. 
there's certain things that people teach that you know the Holy Spirit is not for today. It was for the early apostles; they needed it. Or tongues has ceased because you know they needed tongues, but we don't need tongues and all these sort of things. So, and they take scriptures uh, from the Bible out of its context. And so when you take the scripture out of its context, you take the text out of its context, you've got a con. It's a play on words, but that's what happens when you take the text out of its context. You're teaching a con. And so, for example, um, some people believe that tongues have ceased because the scripture in 1 Corinthians 12, verse um, uh, 29, let's pick it up from verse 29. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? Talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and not all of them operate all at the same time like that. And it's like different parts of the body. It uses this picture of the body, and different parts operate differently. All do not have the gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? And that's talking about the gift of tongues. Not, not, not the baptism of the Holy Spirit with, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. It's not talking about that, where they spoke in tongues and prophesied. One of the, one of the evidences of flowing in, in of being baptized of the Holy Spirit. It's talking about here, all do not speak of tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? This is a particular ministry gift of tongues in a, say, a, say a congregational setting that someone speaks in tongues out loud for someone to interpret. So there's no purpose to speak out loud unless someone's going to interpret. So it's a particular gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's what he's referring to. Just like healing is a particular gift of the Holy Spirit, and so is the interpretation of tongues, and so is all the working of miracles and apostles and teachers and so on. And, and so this is taken out of context when they say, see, um, not everyone speaks in tongues. This is talking about the gift of tongues. The so, same is true when you pick up in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, it says here, yeah, love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. When will the gifts of prophecy be done away with? We're going to have a look what the Bible says, leave it in its context. If there are tongues, they will cease. When will the tongues cease? Let's see what the Bible says. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. When will knowledge be done away with? For we know in part now, and we prophesy in part now, but when the perfect comes referring to Jesus comes and it's all over, it's, it refers to completion. When completion happens, being made perfect and complete, the partial will be done away with. We don't need the partial. We don't need the prophesying. We don't need the tongues. or And we don't need um, knowledge even. So I ask you, has knowledge passed away? The answer is no. Well, tongues hasn't either. It's waiting, we're waiting for him who is perfect. Some people try to teach that the Bible is perfect, and that's and that's what is that's why we don't need that, because the word of God is perfect. Yes, I know the word of God is perfect, but it's not referring to the word of God. Um, the New Testament wasn't put together when Corinthians was written. And so it's referring to Jesus. And and when we're in heaven, we don't need to prophesy over each other. We don't have to speak in tongues, because you'll know you'll be known as you are known. Anyways. It's really clear there, I would, I would say. And so we take the Bible and we say, Lord, we believe what the Word of God says. So if I've been taught wrong and against what I've been, you know, what the Bible says, I'm going to believe the Bible first. Okay. Um, so believing a, a lie will hinder you from receiving what has in reality already been given by the Father. When you believe a lie that says it's gone, it's past, it's not for today, and so on. Um, not everyone needs to speak in tongues. I believe uh, Paul said... 
I thank God that I pray in tongues more than you all. And he goes, and I encourage you, forbid not to speak in tongues. He wanted everyone to speak in tongues. He's telling them, I don't want you not to speak in tongues, just do it the right way. He was bringing order into a gift that was being uh, sort of in an extreme. He says, you don't gather, gather together and everybody prays in tongues and everyone's speaking in tongues. The unlearned comes in, thinks, aren't, you going to say, aren't they going to say you're mad? So in other words, speak words that are intelligible, people can understand, and the message can be understood. And he's referring to them misusing the gift of tongues in that particular incident. Anyways, let's move on. Two is believing that you have you have to be good enough to receive the Holy Spirit. So sometimes uh, this, this will hinder you from receiving the Holy Spirit if you think I have to be good enough. Remember that the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as the gift of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive. It says the only thing we need to do is repent. It's in Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Repent and you'll be baptized in the name of Jesus and you shall receive the gift. It's a present. Gift of the Holy Spirit. The reason why it's a gift is because you can't deserve it. You can't be good enough. You can't earn it. Now, if you look internally and think, oh, hang on a second, I've got this, and I'm still living in that, and I've still got this problem, and I've got this issue, and this, this sin habit. If you think, oh, let me clean that up, and I'm not, I don't deserve to receive the Holy Spirit if I've still got this, then you're thinking, I'm going to give that up in my own strength, in my own ability, in my own goodness, my own righteousness. If I can give it up, then the Holy Spirit, I'm worthy now. You're, you're seeing it the wrong way. You think you have to be good enough and worthy enough and holy enough to receive I think the only condition is repentance, true repentance of the heart. And what does repentance mean? Is to think again, to turn away your thinking. You'll go in this particular way, a certain way in selfishness, sin, and your own self, and, 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 and living in pride and rebellion and that. You turn around and say, Lord, I give you my heart, and I make you my Lord, and I think again according to your word. And I repent. I give my heart to you, my thoughts to you. I rethink it towards you, and I'll make you my Lord. If your heart's in that posture, then you will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God's not withholding the Holy Spirit to you because um, of gifts, of, of works. Galatians, quickly, chapter 3, tells us that he who works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Galatians, chapter 3, verse 1, says... O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? The answer is the hearing of faith. In other words, you didn't receive the Holy Spirit by being good enough, by obeying all the works of the law, and then the Holy Spirit came. That's trying to earn it. That's trying to be good enough. Are you, full, uh, are you so foolish, having begun with the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you, those, those that come and flow in the gifts and work miracles and provides the Holy Spirit to be, to be received, you know, like speaking about the Holy Spirit and, and ministers in the Holy Spirit, do they do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? The answer is the hearing of faith. It's not by the works of the law. That's trying to be good enough. If I'm good enough, then I can deserve the Holy Spirit. No, Holy Spirit is a gift. If someone you loved gave you a present, a gift, you wouldn't take and go, oh, oh, thank you. How much did that cost you? Can I give you some money for it? Or can I do something in return? Now, you would insult the giver if you think you have to do something in return. It's a gift. You receive him. It's a present. Amen. It's beautiful to know that it's a free gift. Also, number three is negative past experiences with people 
attempts of ministering in the Holy Spirit. Like negative, have you ever had a negative past experience with people that are attempting to minister in the Holy Spirit? I mean, this could hinder you, and I'm sure we all have. If you've been a believer long enough, you're going to have an experience, a negative one, where someone's trying to minister in the Holy Spirit, but they're doing it wrong, or, or they're counterfeiting it, they're, they're counterfeiting it, or they're, they're in the flesh, or whatever reason, there's selfish ambition, and there's you know, so, so, so many reasons where they're just doing it in their own strength and not in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've had some incidences like that, but I'm sure we all have had probably some bad experiences too extreme emotionalism. I love emotions, but... But emotions don't lead us, they don't guide us. The Word of God does. And um, so I enjoy the emotions when it happens, but I'm not, I'm not following my emotions. Um, so we just got to uh, be grounded in the Word of God. You know, one time, for example, um, just a quick example for me, I, was, I, I came off a long fast and um, I went to a church service. It's a, uh, you know, it was many, many years ago, many, many years ago. It was actually in the 90s, I think. And the Toronto blessing had happened in Canada, in Toronto, and Holy Spirit. You know, I believe in the genuine move of the Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit can give you joy and so on. But this particular church was almost manufacturing it. I can't explain it any other way. It's just that they maybe they had a genuine move before, but now it's like they're just going through the motions of what was. And so anyway, the pastor was praying for everyone after the preach, and everyone starts to man, you know man, manufacture laughter pretty much. It didn't look very genuine, and, and everyone he prayed for, they just started laughing and everything. Some of it maybe was genuine, you know. It's up to, you know, I'm not the place to judge. But the issue was when he prayed for me, I've come off this long fast, and, and, and I'm just in a broken place before God and weeping before God out of, out of love and appreciation and of, of his presence. And I'm just I'm in a sweet place where I'm just weeping, but not from guilt or shame or anything like that, just out of love and appreciating his presence. I just feel, and I'm weeping in my spirit while he's praying for me. Anyway, I'm weeping, weeping because I'm just so uh, surrendered to God. And uh, he's saying, oh, brother, don't resist. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Don't resist. That's talking about condemnation and guilt. Get the shame off you. And I had no shame whatsoever in me. No girl, nothing like that. It's totally misinterpreting what was happening. And he thought, uh, I'm resisting the Holy Spirit. Come on, brother. Come on, brother. He wants me to laugh. And he's trying to get me to laugh. I'm not going to laugh for a man. And he's trying to get me to laugh. Anyway, his wife comes and starts to prophesy and directly gives me a powerful word, direction, in that direction, but detailed prophecy, very, like she didn't know me, I knew nobody in that church, I just walked in to, to come and fellowship and worship uh, as a one-off, and uh, um, she got it so accurate, like so encouraging about my call, my pastoral call, and everything that was on my life, and she got it so right, she got it so wrong, and it's so easy to think, oh, you just get greed and you don't want to that you don't throw the bathwater i mean the baby out with the bathwater let's find the genuine let's go after the genuine don't let bad experiences turn you off from the genuine jesus spoke about the holy spirit he spoke about out of your belly will flow rivers of living water so let's go after that number four um is yeah number four is uh being thirsty and hungering after the holy spirit i believe the responsibility the onus is on us we need to be hungry and thirsty. Jesus actually said, remember, when he stood up at the great feast, whoever is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. So there's an element that we have to be thirsty, have to be hungry for God. And uh, also it says, he who thirsts and hungers after righteousness, you shall be filled. I'm, I'm convinced that if we have an attitude that I'm okay, I'm f I don't need anything. And we, we're self-dependent, we're proud, we don't want the Holy Spirit, then you won't, you won't receive because of our lack of hunger and thirst. 
You know, um, I, I also believe that the way hunger is developed and thirst is developed by doing the word, by practicing the word of God. When you hear the word, do it. When you hear the word, practice it. When you hear the word, live it. That's the way you, you create an appetite, I believe, and thirst for God. It's like when I go to the gym or if you go to the gym and you do a big workout, it, it rips your muscles and you rip your muscles and then it needs protein and needs nutrition to repair it and you create an appetite. You get hungrier when you work really hard and you, you do a big workout. And, and I believe the same is true. When you get, take the word and you practice it, you exercise that spiritual muscle, you're going to be hungry for more. But if you lie down on a, on a bed or a hospital bed and you don't move an inch, there's no mobility whatsoever for, for weeks. And you eat free meals a day, free big meals a day. What's going to happen to your body if you just eat big meals, three of them every single day, you don't move a bit, don't move an inch. It's going to store up. It's going to be wasted energy and it'll store up to fat. And because you don't exercise, you don't use what's gone in. So when you take the spiritual word of God in and it gives you nourishment and strength, go practice it and go live it. All right. Number five is faith to receive. Jesus said this example in Luke 11 verse 13. Because if you being evil, ask your, and your son asks for some bread, would you give him a stone? If you ask, if your, if your son or daughter is hungry and says, Dad, Dad, I'm hungry, can I, have some, can I have an egg? You don't give him a scorpion or a snake if he asks for some food. Like you don't, if he wants some food, it's good for him. You don't give him something that's going to harm him. Now, I'm a father of five. I've never, ever even come across my mind, not even a thought to think. If my son or daughter is hungry and, and wants some food, I go, <laughs> what am I, oh, I can get a scorpion, I'll get a snake and... It doesn't even come across a man or a husband, a father's mind or a mother's mind to give something harmful to their children. Jesus is saying, if then you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? In the, think about how willing you are to give food to your children. How much more is God our father who's not evil, who's perfect in every way, is willing to give the Holy Spirit to you? He's so willing. So that's faith. That's just believing. That's knowing and believing that the Father has already given the Holy Spirit. All I'm going to do is receive the promise that he gave. He promised that he'd give the Holy Spirit. Jesus died at the cross, paid the price, went to the right hand of the Father, and he sent forth a comforter in the Holy Spirit. So we say thank you. I want to pray for us. Father, I pray for every single person. This is a time when you can just come before God and maybe this time of ministry and maybe the worship band, if there's a worship band there, I know you'd be zoomed into this equip, but you can have some worship and just worship the Lord and give Him glory and give Him honor. And the Holy Spirit, I pray, Jesus, that you are the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. So I pray that you baptize every single person afresh. Those that are already been baptized, I baptize them again and again. Refresh them with this baptism. And I pray that you fill them with the Holy Ghost. Fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit, Father. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you for who you are. We thank you. There's so much more to have said about tongues and, and the gift of tongues in, in our expression of this uh, worshipping God. And it's a beautiful prayer language. 1 Corinthians 14 2 says, We speak not to men, but to God. You speak to God. This mobile phone. If I said to you, this, take, this rings direct to the Father. Direct to the Father. I can speak to the Father and God in heaven. You go, what? If it really worked. Well, we've got this gift that speaks direct to God. You speak not to men, but to God. And I believe when you're speaking to God, He's speaking to you. In, 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 in Isaiah 28 verse 11, 
Paul quotes this scripture in the book of Corinthians 14 about tongues. And he goes, with stammering lips and other tongues, does God speak to these people? So you're not only speaking to God, God's speaking to you. He's giving you revelation, building up your spirit, man. And I believe that miracles and um, answers and solutions will drop, come up from your spirit and just come up to your mind when you're doing everyday life, when you're doing everyday work, when you pray in the spirit. Pray for half an hour, pray for an hour, pray for two hours. Pray while you're driving, pray while you're cleaning, pray while you're doing stuff. Under your breath, pray and pray in the spirit and build yourself up. Yourself up. Speaking direct to God. God bless you. I pray that this has helped you. And I pray that you, you will be baptized afresh with the Holy Spirit himself. We love you from Sydney. Our church loves you. We'd love to see you uh, soon, I, I hope, as the borders open up. God bless you. And thanks again for this opportunity to share God's word.